follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. Thank you for choosing to be with us. Guys, how are you doing today? Doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. I'm glad to hear it. We have something different tonight, but first we got to get some shout outs out of the way. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to choose to shout out to Collar and Elbow, our affiliate, the wrestling brand. They've got great quality uh, clothing. Um, it's well-made, it's not crazy expensive, unlike WWE shop or anything like that. And, you know, you can get, you can get your quality stuff, all kinds of different, uh, versions. It's real comfortable. And if you use the promo code four corners podcast, that's the number four capital C and corners, capital P and podcast with no spaces. You can get 10% off your order. We do have the Four Corners Patreon. If you like what we do and you're willing to chuck some our way, that just gives us that just all we're really looking to do is ease a little bit on the subscription fees. <sighs> or I don't maybe trying to plan ahead for whatever's gonna happen with the WWE network. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um did well, we talk about that last no, week? What an abortion we, there, new site well, is. Before we get into that, I actually do want to talk about that because I tried to watch like some of NXT this weekend and it was a disaster. Uh, yeah. Chad, just to interject, Collar and Elbow uh, is having a sale right now. Oh, yeah, other stuff is uh, is slightly discounted. I think it's at least like a twenty percent discount. I'm looking. I'm on the website right now. A lot of their uh-huh. T-shirts that were uh, in the twenty-five dollar range are now twenty dollars. I'm they looking actually, at it they actually they have some stuff on clearance, which is even further. Uh, discounted so yeah might be a good time to buy some merchandise and you yeah, i agree i need to buy a new um pro wrestling like sport of kings because my first one has decided it's a stain magnet and anytime i wear it <laughs> something decides food wise to end up on it even if i'm not eating something messy something ends up on it so it's an it's an awesome shirt and awesome design that's my wife's favorite but it is a uh, yellow so yes stains will yeah. uh, more easily show up the, uh, it's not. A, it's not a black. It's not a black T-shirt like the collar and elbow Waffle House T-shirt. That's an awesome shirt. I'll Notice that so it, it, the, the name of that uh, design is his house. Yes. <laughs> also, another great black shirt they have is the Bad Street shirt. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like the Bad Street. They interestingly enough, they have an Elvis inspired TCB shirt that I hadn't seen before. Lots of good stuff. So who was Bad Street? Who became Bad Street in WCW when like the Freebirds were just getting stupid? Was that it Brad was Brad Armstrong? Armstrong. Okay. It was Brad Armstrong in a mask. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> Actually, well, yeah. I'm sorry. I, it, it was it was Brad Armstrong. I was slightly remembering also that in early, early, early '90s, 
WCW, they actually had um, Billy Jack Haynes under a mask as, uh, I think, back Black Blood or something like that. Uh, Blackheart? Black, and I don't no, know. No, that was someone else, I think. And so early nineties WCW did some dumb stuff. They had, there was they, some wacky stuff there, yeah. They brought Hercules in as a mask guy too. Super Invader. Yeah. Because yeah. he was part of the main event on one of the Clash of the Champions. It was actually like a it was in a weird it was like a super I don't know. They kind of ripped off the gimmick deliberately, I think. But they did a uh they did a Survivor series main event where it was four on four, and that's where it was like Super Invader I think Vader and yes. that was Jake Roberts was briefly that is that is one of my earliest wrestling memories is seeing the promo for that match. Yeah. Oh think, man, how crazy. You know, I think my earliest wrestling memories are the um No, it, the the one I can remember, I know I, I had exposure before that, but was the um the Hasbro figure commercials. Okay, I got nothing for you there. I barely remember those. I like they even had like Macho Man like talking and stuff. Mm. And so I think, okay, I think I had some sticker book like around ninety one or something. Okay, so the um, so anyway, collar and elbow. They're running a sale. Get your um, get uh, you know use your promo code. Get an additional ten percent off. And if we had to make the choice, Matt. We'd make the choice to make a shout out to somebody, wouldn't we? That would be to Epico Cologne. Um, I know Epico is a good guy. He has nothing to do with the the fa- the, the frailties of the new WWE oh. <laughs> network app, uh, which are myriad. So uh, shout out to Epico. I'm sure he would change things if he could. Yeah, I, th- I think he would. So I I and the perceptive of you, even the not so perceptive, probably are picking up on the fact that the I keep. I keep using the word choice. We got something special for this episode. A friend of mine, old wrestling friend of mine, had this pop up on his Facebook. And this is the game. The choice is, I'm going to give you two wrestlers, and you have to pick one or the other. This is an all or nothing thing. So you got to pick one or the other. And the idea behind this is I have tried to make these these pairings as difficult as possible. So we're going to see what happens. And we'd like for you guys to play along at home. If you are playing along with this, I would love to hear what you think on our Instagram, on our Twitter, on our Facebook, that sort of good stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with a ready-made comparison. This was one that was already a comparison that was done in Ring of Honor. So that means... That we're going to have a, you're gonna, you guys are gonna have to pick between Ricky Steamboat and Mick Foley. Hmm. Uh, I'll take Ricky Steamboat, and it's not even close. I also would pick Ricky Steamboat. Um, I also feel it's not really close. Although that is a really tough one because I do have a lot of affection for Mick Foley from back in the day. Um, I've liked Mick. I feel actually less and less the more he's like hung around. Yeah, he's like an on-air personality. He's got this, um, he's got this really creepy thing going on with the women that really bugs me. Yeah, he does. Um, it, it, it's kind of it gets kind of weird. It started. I feel like it got 
started being weird with like Melina back yes, in the day. And yes, I her. feel like he's kind of transitioned it to other women too. It's kind of bizarre. So yeah. I'm actually going to deviate from you guys on this for, for here's why hear me out on this. And you may still think I'm absolutely crazy pants. Yes. Ricky steamboat had some of the best matches. Ricky steamboat was one of the best baby faces. Ricky Steamboat was also working in a time with other exceedingly talented people. Um, and if he had not been around, yeah, we would have missed out on like the, the best of three with flair. If we did not have Foley around, I feel like that the current landscape would be more different than it is, than it would be if we did not have Steamboat around. So I'm going to say that his, his contributions made a very different, and not better, not worse, but larger impact on the business as a whole. Um, I would actually say they're both. I would say if you both remove both of them from history, they would leave about the same sized void because they were both. They were both. Um, I would call them luxury cogs in a far bigger machine in their okay. eras. So you could. You could remove both, I say, Mick Foley and Ricky Steamboat from like the WWF and their respective eras, and you would lose some memorable moments. But I think things would kind of march on without them. I'm would, saying, uh, okay, go. And I would say Ricky on. Steamboat probably meant more, like in the early '80s, like things like um, the the Young Blood and Steamboat versus Slaughter and Cronodal. <laughs> Um, feuds, things like that are probably like bigger to their respective eras than fully ended up being. See, I don't know that I can, I can agree with that, but that's the, that's the interesting thing of this game. So, cause I mean, fully in that big era is probably in that, um, under, he's probably like right above triple H, but right under undertaker. So he was probably like fourth on their depth chart. Even with that being the case, the the concept of what he brought being so different, and <clears throat> the uh, with the the idea of someone being as different as he was carving his way, and I struggle with him because I have that same issue that Matt has with him, where his constant comebacks and the more like he hangs around, the less I like him. Yeah, but I I mean. I, I became a huge fan of him um, even when he was like er, Cactus Jack in like early 90s WCW. Mm-hmm. And then I, I literally I was like maybe one, maybe like a year and a half, two years into being a wrestling fan when they, they pulled the whole like face turn. And let me tell you, like I was all in on the, mm-hmm. Nicole, the Cactus Jack face turn. Like I was so into it. Then they didn't really do much with him, and he left. But then the loss in Cleveland. He, no. Well, that got that got weird. But I mean, I liked when yeah. he was like uh, facing Vader and all of that stuff. And then like the tag team he had with um, Kevin Sullivan, uh, and then it, well, uh, sorry, it wasn't Kevin Sullivan. It was Max Payne. They were like feuding with Kevin Sullivan. Um, I don't know. I, I liked his run as Mankind. I mean, I actually think his. The character work he did in those interviews with Jr. was like tremendous. Do mm-hmm. you guys remember those? Yeah. Oh yeah. I actually still watch those like <clears throat> semi regularly. 
because mm-hmm. it really is like fascinating. I've never seen that's that's really like WWF with they were at the time. Like that they were like that that's some of the best character work I think they have ever done to actually get a character over mm-hmm. and kind of like do a really bizarre in depth like breakdown of the character's motivations and why he's doing the things that he's doing. And actually I think really actually helped in a weird way, even though he's clearly presented as like a deranged villain. It presented him, it presented Mick Foley mankind in a way that it almost like sowed the seeds for a future like face turn because you got to see like, he was just like a, he was just a, a fan Mm-hmm. In a way, you know, now actually I'm like talking myself into giving Mick Foley more. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like Scott Steiner's coming to change your mind. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, if you really think about it, like, back in the day, re- who, were, who were wrestlers? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily people who grew up watching wrestling. It mm-hmm. was people who, like, were professional athletes or just bodybuilders, like big dudes who transitioned into wrestling because it was kind of like a, a natural fit. Like, maybe they're professional careers i think, like, I think honestly like in that mm-hmm. era flair was a rarity and that he was a wrestling nerd before he got into it yeah um but a lot of those guys like they weren't like they weren't like the wrestling nerds they weren't like the wrestling fans who then became workers nowadays it's like i think that's predominantly the people who are in the industry like it's and almost I think- I think that hurts the industry a lot now, actually. I agree with I agree with guys like Cornette and some other guys that complain about that being a problem with modern wrestling. And um, It can be, because sometimes there are guys who are basically marks for themselves and for the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mick Foley was almost like, I think maybe he was kind of like at the, the tip of the spear for that, because he was clearly a dude who was just like a wrestling fan. And that's literally why he got into wrestling. He loved it so much. I mean, he did backyard wrestling back before backyard wrestling was even like a thing. Well, he also um, he put in a. You, you can read his book. The amount of work he put in to try and learn to be good at it mm-hmm. is it, honestly, it's it's. I mean, it fits with the old school mentality, but it's just kind of staggering how much work he did on it. And I saw a few years ago, I got to see a panel that had both it was Foley Invader. It was the twenty year anniversary of the year. Wow. And and they're sitting there talking and Vader says, I gotta I gotta put this in. You guys don't under I've gotta make this clear. You guys don't understand this. <clears throat> working with Mick, or he called him he called him Cactus, but working with Cactus, this man is so brilliant at wrestling it was a night off because I didn't even have to think about it. He figured it out and that's what we did and it was always over i think um i think the biggest compliment in my mind for mick foley is i think there was some shoot interview with bill watts and they brought him up and bill watts said he just used to love like picking his brain yeah oh yeah i heard that interview it's like he he i think the phrase was that that mick foley had the most incredible mind which is a shame that he bent chairs around it, and now yeah. it fogs up so much. So, also, so I, two I'll, of the nicest guys in the industry. I will throw uh, it out there. Um, I um, think his best match is probably the Mind Games match with Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're talking a lot about Mick Foley, but like, if you get into best matches, like I think a lot of Ricky Steamboat's um, career and best matches speak for themselves. 
Yeah, that that's yeah. There there's a lot of um there's a lot of highs and lows and and comparing the highs is not exactly fair, you know. But, but I think there's some there's some things that Mick Foley's done too that I don't like. I think like especially um beyond the match showed some of his, how his um naivety kind of um caused some issues like stupidly bringing his children front row for the 99 Royal Rumble. Well, that that was he they, there weren't supposed to be that many chair shots. Well, that yes, was not the I plan see. and 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 Rock Rock's the one that missed that. That's okay. a, that's actually something um I don't have great perceptions of the Rock, but did you guys ever like um listen to the did you ever get the DVD of Beyond the Mat with like some of the alternate commentaries? No. No, I, I think I've only ever seen like just the regular version. Well, there's yeah. like one with Mick Foley, and he was kind of talking about it afterwards. Like, and he was talking about The Rock. He's like, you know, like I maybe shouldn't have like trusted my safety to him in this situation. And that's something that's kind of always stuck with me in regards to The Rock. I think it's in the nature of what they were doing so that he he was very willingly in a place where he could not protect himself, regardless of who it would have been. Well, then he being say in a place the, where he didn't he say part of the problem was is like they didn't realize the handcuffs were going to going to affect the way that the chair like reverberated through his body. And like he kind of like made it worse because he kind of panicked. And kept getting up, and the rock just kind of kept. Well, he didn't go down. Yeah, that was, if yeah. he had, if he had just flat gone down, then the rock wouldn't have kept hitting him. But he was he was upset because there the signal was he turns in a circle. Uh, but uh, I don't. You know, stuff happens sometimes, and you miss the cue or or something like just just the fact that I would put it. I would guess because I haven't seen that, but putting his safety in the hands of someone else while he was bound in a way he could not protect himself as a big like when big show slammed ray mysterio on that backboard across the uh the ring post yeah you someone's giving you that much trust you take care of them well, uh, i know which, um i know speaking of ray mysterio kevin nash was talking about the lawn darting incident Oh yeah, Ray was all on board for yeah, that yeah he's like he's like you sure about this he's like do it like chuck me this is going to be great yeah and he was right. All right, I'm going to keep us moving a little bit. I'm going to skip us down to the next one on my list. Hopefully this one will be a little bit tougher, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to throw out, this is going to be, I want you to pick between Ron Simmons and Sid. Oh. Uh, I'm going to take Ron Simmons. I was never really a Sid guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's a guy who had a weird charisma and he had a lot of presence but never in my opinion lived up to like in theory like the potential he could have had which is kind of weird because i mean he was like he was a world champion and he had runs yeah, he took and, the title off Shawn michaels for god's sake and he got yeah. cheered for like giving jose lucario <laughs> a heart attack and yeah <laughs> I get I mean, it though he got, because he, he, they, he got runs in both companies, both major companies. Mm-hmm. But you know what the damnedest thing with him though was, is is like he still had it even when he was old. Like that Raw when he came back and beat Heath Slater, like the crowd was all about him. Yeah. 
I think it was because he had, there's a legit, like, well, I mean, one, like when he would murder jobbers, it was pretty impressive. But I think the fact that he, there was just an aura of danger about him. Yes. And my favorite example of that was when he showed up at ECW Guilty as Charged. He looked scary as hell. But anyway, to Ron Simmons, um, underrated worker. Really underrated. Mm-hmm. He um, actually is. I actually feel like, sadly, he's he's another one who I don't think lived up to his potential because I feel like he he should have done more. Like, WCW dropped the ball with him. Like, once they actually did push him to the main event, mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't keep him there. And then he left eventually for, like, WWE, and they didn't do much more with him. Like, they did... they. He did kind of flirt a bit with the, with kind of like the upper mid card for a bit, and then they dropped that. And then well, by the time yeah. by the they, time he was in with APA, he was almost just like a comedy act. And he would, I mean, they they fucked him with that stupid Farouk name. Like, just call him Ron Fucking Simmons. Yeah, yeah that was. But he got to wear a powder blue gra- gladiator helmet. Oh, woo! <laughs> no. That is one of my favorite. That is another. That is one of my favorite segments of all time. Is um, when The Rock gave the nation their presence, and he got like D'Lo and um, Mark Henry Rolexes. Yeah. And he got Ron Simmons a like a giant like portrait of The Rock. <laughs> that was good. I like that. I, I do. I do think. I maintain. We've talked about it before. Uh, I think when we were doing like the Vader. Um, Mm-hmm. kind of tribute show but the the match he had with ron simmons where ron simmons won the title is still like a great magic because it was such a surprise and it was done in baltimore mm-hmm. which obviously the baltimore has a, a very large african-american population and people literally were crying like in the in the audience it was such yeah. like an emotional moment i remember when i was a kid like i didn't even like appreciate all this like kind of nuance uh i i didn't really appreciate the fact that this is like one of if not the first like african-american world champion uh but to me it was just like it was super cool because it was a title change and they showed it on tv and ron simmons seemed like a really interesting character because he was he had like the football background he was a big dude he could work so i was like i was all in for that I was like really excited about the title change. And then and they kind of again they didn't do much with them after that. That's but. that's Bill Watts right there. Yeah. And um, if you could, it's on YouTube, him talking about that's kind of interesting because you know you think of the industry like you think about the work aspect, but hearing him talk about it and he's just like he's just like man, he's like he's like you like some people never get to feel that like it, he just talks about like what a great like moment of his life it was. Yeah. And he's talking about like the people in the crowd like crying and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Okay. Uh I would go with Ron Simmons as well. Oh, and Doom's awesome. For... <laughs> yeah. Doom was underrated, yeah. Yeah. The re the reason I'm gonna I would go with Ron Simmons here is actually more for what he did for guys that were coming up with him. The stories you hear from people like D Lo and The Rock and stuff and Mark Henry. And like the the way he mentored them was such was a really big deal. So. Oh, and and one other thing I loved about the WWE it only lasted for like three years, but how 
the APA would always end up in that like same bar in like Boston or Rhode Island and starting a barroom brawl. Yeah, where they were in that town <laughs> always made me laugh. All right, this next one uh, is going to take a different different tack. I want to hear your guys' pick between Sabu and Raven. But with Sabu, you're gonna see a lot of shit like messed up, <laughs> and then he'll and then he'll redo that. I mean, like ten times if he has to, until he gets to do the spot. But I believe that's what Brad once said. That's the charm of watching Sabu. Oh yeah, it's him uh, just coming derailed. I will give him credit though. Despite all that stuff, Sabu does have like a mystique. Yeah, he does have a mystique. Uh, he was kind of like indicative of ecw back in the day like he, he i know they had like sandman and tommy dreamer but sabu was like very ecw to me and did, he, did he you, was also a fascinating character but because it was um I, it wasn't on the one we listened to but um my cousin and i did a dark match mm-hmm. and i don't remember what match he was in i think it was i think it was him and rob van dam or someone but this like table broke and like he derailed the whole match because the leg broke and he would just not let it go and get another table. <laughs> like he had to make this table spot work and he derailed this match. Like, and you stopped watching the match cause you just had to watch Sabu, like try and like figure this table out. Was that in that tag match with uh Hakushi and Jinzaki? Yes. Yes. That's the one. <laughs> like it started out. Okay. And the was... table wouldn't break. And then, he he was so obsessed with it, like he actually got the other guys to derail the match because they are trying to figure out how to like get this table to work for the spot. It was yeah. so weird. He he almost like he has like OCD. Like it's like if he messes up a spot, he's got to do it again until it's actually right. But it is his charm though, because you never know when it's going to happen <laughs> or if it's going to happen. It actually does make his matches like entertaining in their own sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. And so he's also guys, he's also got probably I've probably never seen someone suffer like so many horrific injuries in the ring. Cause there was like the barbed yeah. wire incident where he just like sliced the shit out of himself. This isn't this I don't think this is kayfabe. I think this was like legit. Didn't he like break his jaw or something like that? Yeah, and yeah. just and, he, and just like yeah. literally just taped his face up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a dude who well, I mean, I think he smokes a lot of pot, <laughs> but um, otherwise, I think he has a really high pain tolerance. Like he must. I yeah. think he was bitching on some shoot interview that they like dull the barbed wire now, and how that's like betraying the art form. <laughs> All these pussies now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have this. Yeah. But um, so, I, what does he sound like? I don't think I've ever like... heard him really give an interview. I think he's got a pretty deep voice. I don't remember though. It's been a long time. He's, he's gravelly. It's a, it, to me. It's exactly what I would expect Sabu's voice to sound like if he was just sitting and talking. Well, isn't he from Michigan? I would almost expect him to have like a like that mid or uh, upper mid uh, Midwestern, almost like like South Canadian type of accent. Ah. <clears throat> uh... I got nothing for you. At least it's not like Kamala or Abdullah where like they open their mouth and they totally ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Raven doesn't even compare then is what I'm No, hearing. I would pick Raven, but Sabu is more fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I think 
Raven like has had far a, a, a much a better career and also like better matches even when he wasn't doing like hardcore crap. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sevu is more fun to talk about. Uh, okay, Scott that's... Scott Scott Levy or Levy. Scott the body was a underrated gimmick too. He was that in, wasn't that in like GWF. GWF, I think he did a little bit of it in, like, um, Portland, and I think he even did a little bit in WCW. Well, in WCW, early WCW, he was Scotty Flamingo. Yeah. Oh, that's right. In Portland, he was um, Scotty the Body. I first saw him in, I think, GWF, and then he went to WCW. Uh, and I like that. Uh his days in the WWF as uh, Johnny Polo were terrible. Oh, <laughs> but, God. Yeah. But I always find funny he talk was like a lisp. <laughs> well, it's like a it weird voice. Off. Yeah. So when that he was, was... Doing, when he was actually Raven, he was actually cutting like good promos because he. Yeah. Had... Well, I remember he told this story about being in Portland, and and he was gonna he was gonna work, and he was gonna do commentary. And Piper said, "Look, you're gonna be a heel the first time it comes up, and you're on commentary. I want you to sit there and be picking your nose when it comes up, and then act embarrassed." And so, and and he was like, "Are you sure about this?" He goes, "Trust me." And what happened is, it gave the crowd always something to yell at him about. Snotty Scotty. He said, "The problem is, if you want to have something that you want someone to get pissed about, it has to be something they'd actually be pissed about." Why would calling Lex Luger Flexi Lexi mean it? It doesn't really. It's just kind of descriptive. But Snotty Scotty would absolutely piss him off, and it would make sense. So, I, I also think it's funny because. Paul Heyman was talking about him and the Raven character and said, like, the Raven character is completely, like, counter to his personality. He says, like, like um, Raven, the person, is, like, serially, like, not serious about life. Like, everything's, like, funny to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it's so funny to hear Raven talk about his own gimmick. It's it's so funny to hear him do that because it's he's just so lackadaisical and amused by the whole thing. Also, Raven has had the stones to be the one to like try and sue Vince for, um, you know, things you know like unions and and stuff like that. So, I got to go with Raven too. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us to here. This is this is gonna be I think interesting. This is a mediocre matchup. Mid card guys with some charisma. And you know what? I'm I'm saying that with all due respect because I, I I wouldn't have picked these guys if I didn't like kind of enjoy them and stuff. But <laughs> Zack Ryder or Disco Inferno? <laughs> oh, that's wow. a tough one actually because yeah. Disco Inferno is kind of um, underrated as far as a worker goes. Kind of. <laughs> his his booking stuff just drives me up a wall. I can't stand that. He did one with uh, the guys from Kayfabe Commentaries, and I couldn't stand to listen to it because he had all these ideas. He's like, but it's something no one's done before, and it's like, there's a reason it hasn't been done before. Don't do that. But his work in the ring, <laughs> I remember him being in the ring. He, he spent, like, the, game, the, the, the angle was he spent all day doing cardio, trying to sweat off the pounds to challenge for the Cruiserweight yeah. title. And he's just barely upright through the whole match. He finally drops, I think it was Billy Kidman, and he's standing there over him, and they're like, 
even even the announce team, he was he was the heel in this, but the announce team's like, do it, pin him, and he's standing there over him, and then he lifts his arm and starts dancing. You hear everybody on the counter go, no, don't dance. I think um I think what I think if you go back earlier before they like kind of started pushing him, I actually think it's a testament to like how good he could be in the ring that he played a serial and competent wrestler because I think. I think that takes more skill than actually being good sometimes. Okay. Like when he like learned the, like someone taught him a leg lock and he couldn't figure it out. So he pulled out like a cheat sheet mid match. (laughs) He has really good comedic timing. His tag team with Alex Wright was better than it had any right to be. And, and, and we have to talk about the best part of the early, um, Disco Inferno and Alex Wright team is their lackey Tokyo Magnum. Yes. Tokyo Magnum. Tokyo Magnum, aka Magnum Tokyo. <laughs> uh, former like was he was he Mishinoku Pro? Was he uh, Toramon? Toramon. Yeah, yeah. He's actually a, a good wrestler in his own right. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually would probably pick Disco because I have fond memories of him in WCW. He had a lot of personality. He was a better worker than given credit for. He still works. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in Vegas for uh, Double or Nothing mm-hmm. over Memorial Day weekend, um, he worked a show that uh, I'll throw out a plug here. Um, Ed from San Antonio, uh, known on the Observer board, uh, he he did. Uh, Ed actually promoted like it was like the first show that Ed ever promoted in his life, <laughs> and he had Disco um, work one of the matches. Uh, I think against Alley Cat. Okay, it might have been against Alley Cat, but. Uh, and he was entertaining. He was uh, the only thing I don't like is that he um, he does a podcast. I think with Conan, isn't that keeping at one hundred or something like that? Yeah. yeah. And they kind of like. I've only heard clips on YouTube. I don't listen to it regularly, but it seems like they just spend a lot of their time just like shitting on AEW. Which is like that's when you. I'm not an AEW mark, but it's like I'm. I'm hoping they succeed. But the it's like problem, it, the problem but, is is um. He's kind of like really kind of obnoxious about things, whereas Conan is very open minded about wrestling, but he really gets drowned out by Disco and the other guy. Yeah, I don't even know who the other guy is, but Disco's really like down on like AEW or he'll like he'll be super critical about, oh, AEW did this thing. And it's like, dude, on any given week, the WWE will do like 10 times worse, like dumb decisions or mm-hmm. like dumb angles or stupid skits. Like, why are you focusing on the fact that, uh, Joey Janela in a, in a, in like a battle Royal did this one thing for like yeah. 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise I would probably pick, I'd probably pick disco. And he was, let's like with disco too. I think, I think he came along a little too late. Like his, his quality of work in like the late eighties would have really made him stand out. Mm hmm. Because he's now, a really good, like, he's a really good technical, like, kind of, I know, I know we wouldn't say that, but he's, like, a very, like, classically trained, like, wrestler, I'd mm-hmm. say. Like, very technically proficient, all of his moves look really good. Um, good timing. Mm-hmm. Also hilarious whenever he's talking over Conan's music video. Oh, yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> That was that was so good that the guys on the announce desk couldn't keep it together. Um, like Zack Ryder, there's nothing wrong with Zack Ryder, but I don't feel like I feel like he's 
I feel like Zack Ryder is a good worker, but he is not like a standout worker. The thing that I I, I have to the, that made this a question for me is how Zack Ryder got over because they would send Disco out there and they'd be like, "Go do this stuff." Okay, and he'd go do that stuff, and it would work out. Zack Ryder came up with it on his own, <laughs> and um, that's that's the thing for me is uh, it's a um, that you know what Ryder did is a big deal, and I think Ryder probably had a higher high in his career than Disco did with the, the ladder match at Mania and that sort of stuff. but That's probably, that is a good moment in his career, and that's actually probably one of the few, I would say, legitimate feel-good moments from the WWE in the last, like, post-Daniel Bryan winning the title. Yeah. It would be that and Bailey beating Sasha would probably be, I think, about it for legitimate feel-good moments. Yeah. And that's that's why I thought it was a good. I know we talk about disco because disco cracked us up too, but it's they're both. That's why I feel like that this was a tough decision, um, and that and that's part of why. All right, I'm gonna move us on to another one. I Can I interject? This, yes, sir. I will say there is something wrong with Zack Ryder. He spends way too much of his money on toys, <laughs> on action figures. Uh, now look, if you want to, if you, if your goal is to be like, I love wrestling toys, I'm gonna collect all the wrestling toys. Like, yeah. okay, but he spent like a, a dumb amount of money on like prototype stuff, and it's like, it's almost offensive. It's like, dude, <laughs> you're paying like twenty thousand dollars for like a prototype of uh, I don't know, like a big boss man toy that was never released or something. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, come on. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel bad like when. Because I do some retro video gaming collection, and I felt guilty because I spent $120 on a Master System game. Mm. And then, you know, you have Zack Ryder spending $20,000. <laughs> like, okay, maybe I'm not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. Uh, eventually, uh, I, li- I still live in an apartment. Eventually, when I have a house, I think I probably will try to, to collect some stuff. Like, I think I'm going to try to get, like, the uh, the old LJNs from WWF. Uh-huh. Like, I think I'll try and do something like that because I I remember those back in the day. Maybe I'll maybe I'll venture out into like the Hasbro stuff, but mm. yeah, I'm not gonna go crazy like Zack Ryder. Although uh, I think our friend Christy Petrillo is uh has has been in contact with Zack Ryder. Like I think he, uh, I, I I would think that Chris is on Zack's like speed dial. Maybe I know he's I know Zach. Uh, well, Christy Petrillo, aka Zach Malibu. He um. He's good friends with Kurt Hawkins, so uh, yeah. they have, Hawkins and Ryder have their own uh, toy podcast. Right, Matt. I have a, I have a I have a Twitter message here from Zach Ryder. He says that you're a pussy if you don't go for the AWA Remcos. <laughs> uh, you know, I have. I, I, there's another podcast. I, well, I, this is the tonight's the podcast. The podcast we just give shout outs or I give shout outs. <laughs> um, I listen to the Figures Toy Company. And not the that's Chris's company. I'm sorry. I listened to the fully posable podcast because um, I actually met those people, and they're actually really nice guys. They uh, they follow us on Twitter. Um, I think they've occasionally like retweeted us or something. They're they're two brothers. They're good dudes. Um, they've talked about the Remcos. The Remcos look. Have you seen what the Remcos look like? They look surprisingly good for like early '80s and for being from the AW, like something the AWA signed off on. 
they do look good, but they basically, if, if people are, are this old, and I am this old, but if you remember like the old He-Man toys, it was so like the He-Man toys. Oh, have we talked about those yet? I have to have those when they come out. We have not talked about that, but for people who are unaware, um, uh, the WWE is, I guess they're po- they're kind of like sho- uh, sh- shelving the whole retro line. People aren't sure if that's going to come back or not, but they're instead of the retro line, we're going to get um, WWE a, a line of WWE figures that's based that's basically modeled after the old like 1980s He-Man toys, and well, they look phenomenal. Some yeah, of them I, look amazing. I think they're releasing because they're um, they're re-releasing a bunch of like the the old He-Man toys. Mm, okay, but you know you know what I do want if they do release the He-Man toys, I want the slime. <laughs> you can't get the slime like they had when we were kids, like that shit that would pick up like any little like fragment of a hair or anything. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to drag us back over to our topic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go to tag team for a moment. And I want to know who would you guys pick between the Hart Foundation and the Steiners? <sighs> wow. That's. Okay, so this one's tough because I feel like the hearts were better, but they never had like a consistent level of good teams to work with, whereas the Steiners <coughs> really had some banger matches because they got matched up with like better workers because things like um the Sting and Luger match was really good. Um oh man, I'm just drawing a blank now. That um one with who did they wrestle at um, Great American Bash 89. Was that Kevin Sullivan and... Um... Was it Varsity Club? Yeah, but I don't remember which members of the Varsity Club it was. That one was really good. That tornado tag they did. Um... Wow, I'm drawing a blank on Steiner Brothers matches. I would say, like, the Steiners probably had better matches. Oh, the the Sting and Muda match in Japan was pretty good. I would say, like, I, I Hart is probably better than Rick or Scott, but I think they were, I think the Steiners were putting more opportunities to have good matches on, like, a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Matt, what do you think? That actually, that reasoning right there is mine as well like i think i don't i don't want to say that the heart foundation was better um i think they were great but i i think brad's right that they were limited they had some good tag teams to work with and they actually did have like tremendous matches in like late 80s uh wwf but they didn't have like the breadth of opponents that the steiners did because the steiners had some good teams to work with in like the early nineties and even like the late nineties when they were back in WCW, they had good teams to work with, but the Steiners were also helped by the fact that both the, both, both the Steiner brothers actually went to new Japan and did a bunch of matches and the whole WCW new Japan collaboration just let them have like awesome matches with, uh, some Japanese talent or just a wide variety of talent. Uh, there's some really classic matches that they had with Japanese talent. Like, uh, I think, wow, God, was it, was it like Sasaki and Hase? Is that a, 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, oh God, what was the... They fought some tag team on one of the WCW match... One of the WCW like pay-per-views in the early 90s. Do you guys remember what that was? All I know is like they 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 like beat the the shit out of each other like the entire match like that was the match. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, let me try. I can try and look you know, it up. You know what the problem with the Heart Foundation is, and it's my frustration with, um, especially anything televised in '80s WWF that isn't pay per view. Mm-hmm. They'll give you good matches, but there's always some kind of like shenanigans that like cuts it short or like makes it not good. Like, especially, like, when Danny Davis was still a thing, like, he would screw up so many potentially, like, fun matches. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what hurts them is just, unless it's, like, a house show, like, angles take precedent over matches in WWE. Mm-hmm. So well, I think that, but I will say the Brain Busters match we watched at SummerSlam 89 was surprisingly good. I am going, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take what you guys said and say that that just proves to me that the Steiners as a team were excellent at working with a wide variety of people. So for, I would, I'm going to pick the, the team of the Steiners as a better tag or as a a tag team I would prefer, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of had their own, their own thing. Um, you know, they pulled off dynamic stuff. You didn't see other people doing a lot. And, um, you know, just, just lots of the Steiner brothers as a team. I always really liked the Steiner brothers as a team. So that's, I don't Rick and Scott as singles were fine. You get some of the, you know, Scott gave us one of the, the, the greatest, um, you know, greatest promos of all time, but (laughs) you, you, if you're, if you separate them out, Brett's highs are much higher than either one of them in terms of, of stuff he's done. You mean True. the numbers don't lie? The numbers don't lie. I showed that promo <laughs> to my wife and she thought that was hilarious. It's a great promo. It's classic. It, yes. And the funny thing is, like, I think his math isn't right. I'd have to go back. But he does hold the math together longer than he theoretically should. Mm-hmm. He, there's enough consistency in it that it surprises you. Can I add a couple more things about the Steiners? Yeah. Um, they had a remember if, if you guys will, like in early ni- in ninety nine in nineteen ninety two, they had a really brief but excellent feud with the miracle violence connection of Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Oh wow. Um, they had a really good they had some good matches. It, sadly, like it didn't it wasn't like a long lasting feud, but Yeah. Uh, that was that was really good. Uh, was that and just pre in, or post stroke for Gordy? That had to be that, pre. that was pre stroke. Okay. Yeah, because it it got sad uh, not long after that. But uh, the other thing that I really loved about the Steiners, and I've kind of touched upon this before in the podcast, <laughs> they will this if you're really doing tag team wrestling right, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, they were kind of a team that I would say was indicative of this. If you're doing tag team wrestling right, then in theory, if you have your supreme tag team, like your like elite tag team, which the Steiners were definitely pushed in that way, yeah. then they should be able to take on literally anyone in the company and either hold their own or best that those people. And they did yes. that with the Steiners in the sense that they 
oftentimes would have the Steiners go up against, for example, like Sting and Lex Luger as a team. Yeah. Or like Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, or whoever. Like they would have people who otherwise were your main event talent. And they would go up against the Steiner brothers. And sometimes what we see, and again, this, I don't like this, but this is like what the WWE will do. It's like, oh, it's John Cena and Roman Reigns as a tag team. How mm-hmm. random. And all of a sudden they'll like beat the shit out of like the, the, the tag team champions. It's like, no. Yeah. Like if that you're pushing this Yeah, if you're pushing this tag team as like this is like the main tag team, they're the like the elite tag team, yeah. then they should be able to beat anyone in theory. Like your main event guys, they should be able to beat them because they're in a tag team. That's their element. They can they can trounce any other person, any other two people that you're going to put them up against. And they kind of did consistently push the Steiners in that way, um, at least for at least in the early 90s. They kind of did that. Yeah. And then in the late 90s, when it was like NWO era, they kind of dropped that off a bit. But I like that. I think that that's that's sort of how tag team wrestling should be done in a yes. very like logical like the uh, ideal situation i absolutely agree with you and i'm i'm gonna take something you said there and springboard it into our next mm-hmm. you said the steiners versus flair and anderson which means that i want to hear you guys pick between arn anderson and ted dibiase oh um well that is actually a really hard one because I was waiting for you guys to curse my name for... Because Ted DiBiase (laughs) is probably one of the best workers of the early 80s. Mm -hmm. I'd put him up against anyone. Um, But Arn Anderson is kind of like... I don't think I've ever seen Arn Anderson do anything bad. And he's kind of like your quintessential (laughs) like mid-card to upper mid-carder. Arn Anderson is, in the words he might use, he is a master carpenter. He does. He builds up everything that he is in. This uh, now. I I'm think not... I take Ted DiBiase. Okay. Wow. This. This is a really hard one. <laughs> I think Brad's rationale is very correct. Like Ted DiBiase was so good, and he was so good that. I almost want to. I don't. I don't know if it's fair to say this, but I almost want to say he's underrated because he was like the main heel for a good portion of the late '80s, and mm-hmm. I don't think, in retrospect, people like even like remember or, or give him enough credit for that. Like he was unbelievable, and if if things had worked out like they were supposed to, he actually should have been champion for at least a brief period. Obviously. The way WWF in the late '80s was structured, he would have been a transitional champ. Like they would have put the belt back on Hogan or somewhere right. else. But uh, he was so good, and he was such a great heel that I want to say DiBiase, but I'm actually probably I think I'm going to say Arn because Arn was just so good in everything he did. And you could, if you want to put him in a tag team, okay, he was going to be in like the best tag team you're going to have in your company. Yeah, like his matches would all whoever you put him with, and he had like twenty different tag partners in his yeah. career. They were, worked he, well he, with everybody. Yeah, worked well with them. Put on great matches with them. Uh, but even if he could, he was someone you could put out there as a singles uh, worker, and they didn't have him be main event level, but he could be like Brad said, mid Carter, upper mid Carter. 
and had great matches with people there. And just what a tremendous promo. Yeah. And let's uh let's also remember and, and you know when he when that when he started like in Crockett in eighty five when they were pushing him, he was only let me see he was only like twenty seven years old. Yeah. Honorable <laughs> mention also, let's not forget the spinebuster he gave to Undertaker. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There's no question. The, the thing the the hard time I have with this one is I can't pick between these two. I honestly cannot pick one. Art I also have... falls into that super fan that became a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Because well, he was on I mean, some interview talking about like his, when he was a teenager, like how, you know, they would go out and they'd be doing their teenager thing except 605 on Saturday night because that's when Georgia wrestling was on. <laughs> and that means like they were inside like to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't pick between the two. So Okay. I think I think what Matt was saying about Ted DiBiase though, I think you actually have to go back earlier to like Mid South and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even though like Junkyard Dog was the star and there were other stars up there, like through all of that weaving it together, like always like kind of the glue that kept it all together was Ted DiBiase. Yeah. It's I can't pick between the two. It's too close. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the not take the intensity down a bit, and um, so I want to I'm I'm putting a battle of strongmen here, Lex Luger or Mark Henry. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mark Henry. Okay. So this is a tough one because <clears throat> it took Mark Henry forever to get like to get it. Uh-huh. Yes. And I would say Luger was really good early in his career. Like uh-huh. he's better than he gets credit for like <laughs> in 1989 and like that his heel runs really underrated and he kind of got hampered by an injury mm-hmm. for the rest of his career. So I'd say peak wise uh, Luger had a bit longer peak. Mark Henry is probably slightly better at his peak. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, this is a tough one. This actually might be just as bad as the Arn and Ted DiBiase one. See, I didn't figure that this matchup would be. I don't know, like Arn DiBiase. That's 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 really tough. I'm going to go Luger because my one of my favorite moments of the Monday Night War era is him beating Hogan on Nitro. So yeah. he gets the nod for that. I've got to agree with you on that. That was such a great moment. I mean, look, Mark Henry's great. Don't get me wrong, but they're just it, it not quite the same. It's just not this. It, 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 that peak was such a big deal. And the torture rack is an underrated finisher in wrestling. <laughs> I think so. See, I feel like I, I still would pick Mark Henry just because I don't know. I was never like I don't feel like I was ever really a Lex Luger guy. And I like the, the the forgotten part of Luger's gimmick when he was a heel was that he had suffered an injury when he was when he oh, was the... younger. And part of his forearm heel heel thing was that he had a steel plate to fix the bone that he kept in. So yeah. that he would forearm people. He was actually hitting them with a steel plate in the bone of his yeah. forearm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
uh, his the bionic forearm, oddly enough. Okay, all right. Actual, like this is this is not the intensity. We are going to go with some horrible comparison here. I want you guys to to prepare yourself, steal your soul, and ready your mind because you have to pick between Horace Hogan and Evad Sullivan. Do I get the rabbit if I get Evad? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, who are the choices again? Evad and who? Horace. Horace Hogan, Horace Boulder. Uh, I think I'm going to take Evad Sullivan just because I could not stand Horace Hogan. I didn't have any strong feelings one way or the other over Horace Hogan, but... Um... I feel like the Evad Sullivan face turn was probably more entertaining than anything Horace Hogan <laughs> ever did. And, and that's, that's a low great, bar to cross. Let's, yeah. let's tell you, but let's not forget the um, the great "I want to be a Hulkamaniac" music he came out to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, guys, you know what we just had happen? Evad Sullivan won a matchup. He did. <laughs> Okay. All right. Man. Oh. I'd probably Horse. like I he wasn't great as like the equalizer, but like the equalizer wasn't terrible. Oh, I wow. it's kind of sh- his that gimmick is kind of shit on more than it deserves. He was just like bland. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the problem that I have with Horace Hogan's big claim to fame was his run-in during Hogan Warrior 2. Where they tried to set the warrior on fire? Uh, you know what? I... Just how... The, the, the fact that that was his biggest claim to fame and how awful it was, I just... just I can't, I can't even... Right. The pay-per-view I had to change channels for to see the end of on my satellite <laughs> provider. Oh, wasn't that... God. I, I think people, like, didn't people legit get cut off of that? Because yes. I had to switch to an alternate channel, so I got to see Goldberg and DDP and the end of Hogan Warrior. But I think people on standard cable got, like, cut off, like, totally. Yep. Because I was on satellite at the time, so I think that's what saved me. Yeah. So then they didn't they show they showed, they showed DDP Goldberg on Nitro the next night because it got cut off. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Wow, what a faux pas! No kidding, right? And it didn't happen during uh, the NWO stuff or during the Hogan match either. So. I mm-hmm. I used to hate that though because man, like, uh, did you guys you guys got pay per views right uh, back in the day? Uh, very few. Uh, I got a few. Not that it wasn't common, but I I could usually convince my parents to get like one or two a year. Oh man, I'm I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna make us sound really old here, but I remember I used to have to call Dish Network to physically order the pay per view because this is before you had like the click ordering. Yep. You legitimately had to. You legitimately had to call them with your 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 like your information. Like your account information, say I want this pay per view. You know, I'm gonna date myself too. I actually vaguely remember those days because I think I, I think yeah, like you, if you wanted a specific event, like a pay per view or something, you had to call them and be like, "Hi, I'm authorizing this. I want this pay per view." Yeah, 
Yeah. And you'd have to wait on hold and stuff. Like, it might take you, like, five to ten minutes to order it. Yeah. I'll, I'll even date myself more. I remember when the Disney Channel used to be an extra subscription and when they do, like, the free weekends and stuff. Yeah. All the too. free weekends. It used to be a premium uh, channel. I, I remember the movie channel. Like, free weekend, we're going to show Independence Day 16 times. Or or I, I remember... I remember... I'm going to go really old school here. I remember... When my parents like subscribed to HBO over a summer and like copied me like a shit ton of stuff to like VHS. Yes, for, like, I did yeah. that. They had my my cable provider had that. It was like nowadays they do like Watchathon or something. Like I know Xfinity does like Watchathon where you can get content that maybe if you're not if you're not you're not a subscriber to like HBO or something like that, they'll they'll show you like the shows or something for like a week. Uh, but back in the day, it was only like a weekend. But I remember like I would be I'd basically just put a blank uh, VHS ta- tape <laughs> in my VCR and just run it and just let it tape whatever movies are airing on uh, the H- the free HBO weekend. Yeah. Is that what you guys did? Yep. Now, we did have it for a while because I remember watching the Spawn cartoon on there. Oh, wow. Oh, that was like a thing. That was like late late Ooh. 90s, maybe. Yeah. Okay. That was before the god awful movie, but okay, back to wrestling. Back I to wrestling. Just, yeah, it's all right. Um, I'm gonna make this. This this should be interesting, but I think I can guess where the chips are gonna fall. Eddie Guerrero or Rey Mysterio. So this one's difficult because I'm gonna. I might have to say no pick on this. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with Rey Mysterio just because he did not have, like, the, the, the lull of about three years that Eddie Guerrero had. Yeah. And um, now Peak Eddie was really great and probably a little better than Rey Mysterio, but Rey Mysterio has been near elite level minus a couple years here and there for about a decade. Mm-hmm. Matt, what do you think? I would choose Eddie. You choose Eddie? I, I mean, I'm going that... Basically, his peak was I feel better. Okay. Than Ray's. Now I do. I do <laughs> say I still sing along sometimes. But I get it in my head. The I lie, I cheat, I oh, steal. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is like the best riff on like a thing, and and him beating Lesnar for the title, and Taz just like screaming like Eddie cheated as he's going for the frog splash. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is indicative of wrestling. Uh, getting hot again i mean it kind of kind of is at least in the sense that if you are a wrestling fan you're more into wrestling now mm-hmm. um versus just being kind of like a casual wrestling person uh, i don't know if it's it's bleeding more into the mainstream although hopefully i mean hopefully like when aew starts um in october and when smackdown moves to fox hopefully will the the mainstream will get a little hot again as well not just like core wrestling fans but I actually saw a dude on the street the other day with the uh, the Eddie Guerrero Latino Heat like Scarface T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah I saw it and it was like that was super cool because it, it dude was just walking down the street with it on, proudly For representing. Actually, yeah, it's... that's that's actually something I'm gonna say that's a big pro of Eddie that it does not get stated enough. He actually made China entertaining. Oh yeah, that's true. <clears throat> I remember he he Eddie was so Mama entertaining Sita. with that yeah, yeah he Sita. was 
He was so engaging with that gimmick that the roses with the pipe in it made it as a weapon in one of the THQ AKI wrestling games. And and let's let's just let's let's take a step back from Eddie Guerrero and talk about someone else that was really underrated. His wife actually turned into a really great heel personality. She did actually, yeah. Vicky was a great heel in that she got actual heat in an era where like the cool heel was kind of there was a lot of cool heel stuff going. People were so mad to see Vicky show up at any point, and that is heel heat right there. It for people to get the kind of heat that she got is just crazy, you know. When she's like, when she was commissioner of SmackDown, I feel like she was like the last good heel commissioner on SmackDown because. She didn't outright just screw the faces over. She just showed favoritism to her, her yeah, click. Right. Like uh, she just, she just like stacked the deck in favor of Dolph Ziggler eventually, like Edge and the um, Edge fanboys of uh, Hawkins and Ryder. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the original pick between the two. Here's the thing. I love Ray. Ray was kind of the banner guy for the Luchadors in WCW, and I love the Luchadors. The thing is, if we didn't have Ray in that spot, someone else would have been doing the really cool stuff carrying that banner. Uh, maybe Hoovy or somebody else. So no, I, I disagree with that because they've tried to replace Ray, and it's never worked. I'm referring to that specific time period. I'm not I referring still disagree to disagree because then. he was. He was like he's he kept their ratings afloat with like the Hispanic audience for a really long time. Like now, granted, I think Eddie would have done that, but I think I think Ray Ray's work is irreplaceable in a certain way. Okay, you know what? That's a fair point. I I don't I don't really have a good answer on this one. Um, if we consider their careers as a whole, so I'm going to move us on to another one. Um, this one might be cheating a little bit, but. I'm going to compare guys with similar finishers, so give me a pick between DDP and Orton. Oh, DDP. Oh, yeah, DDP as well. Yeah. Unless we're talking about Bob Orton Jr., then I might think. No, no, we're talking about the the third Orton. (laughs) No. I just, I've never gotten Randy Orton. I've never liked him. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I understand he can put on good matches, but I just... I've never, I really never was invested in him. Yeah, because to me, this is this is really going to state where I what I think of Randy Orton. The most entertaining thing about Randy Orton to me is the out of nowhere memes. Yeah, videos people yeah. did. That's true, and which it's... I still laugh about. But he's never done anything <clears throat> that entertaining for me. I, I will admit, um, the most entertaining thing he probably did was putting John Cena's dad's head in. <laughs> I am in this place where they were talking like on SummerSlam, they were talking about Cena being or not Cena Orton being this this legend. I'm like, no, Orton's not a legend. Orton's just a guy who's been around the top of the card a lot. If 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 Orton is a legend, then then and this is not a slight, but if Orton's a legend, then Lex Luger's a legend. There's no way I'm buying this. 
And then I also have to consider not only Paige's in-ring work, but what he's done after his retirement. All the stuff you hear about Paige is about him being a good guy and looking out for folks and trying to help them. And what do you hear about Orton is, well, you know, since he married his second wife, he's calmed down a little bit and doesn't shit in people's bags anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Like, I think, I think DDP is actually has proven that he's just an actual good human being. Yeah. Like so, Joe, mm-hmm. Jake Roberts on Joe Rogan's podcast, like really said a lot about DDP. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, we'll, we'll the, there was one gimme in this whole thing. I've got two more and I'm going to put these out there and, and you can probably guess at at least one of them. So I'm going to do this one first and I'm going to ask you to pick, between The Rock and Shawn Michaels. Um, okay, so... <sighs> Rock's really not a great worker. He had some good matches. Um, Shawn Michaels had a lot of good matches, but I have a real disdain for Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I will give Shawn Michaels credit. He was... Um, Really brave that time he got beat up by how many Marines is it now? Uh, 42. Okay, 42. Um, it's 44 now, but well, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think ever since he had a change of heart, I don't think that number's gone up anymore. But, but you, you know. know what the real number was? It was like three, right? You know, it, it depends on who you ask because I've heard some people say it was just one or two. Um, I mean, he wasn't a big guy, so no. The, um, I mean, what he just about had what Tommy Lee jump all over him for what he said to Pam Anderson at that one mania. So, and and they had to separate put them across the building. So if that's the case, Shawn Michaels versus a Marine, uh, I got to figure that's not going to go near as well. Um, I will say I did like that time that Shelton Benjamin did that springboard and just ate shit like right into the sweet chin music. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what do you think? I would actually, you know, this is, a, and this actually to me is a tough one because if you're going purely by work rate and better matches, I would say Shawn Michaels. Um, if you're going by like charisma, uh, promos and even like just outside of wrestling i think on a personal level mm-hmm. it's like the rock hands down like i actually I, who knows i mean he could it, it could be all like an act but i think the rock just seems like a good dude and if you like follow him on social media it's a lot of like positive stuff and he seems like he's actually probably like a, a good human being and he's a mega star in hollywood like it kind of just happened overnight but he just like if you put The Rock in a movie, like you're getting a billion dollars now. They've referred to him as Franchise Viagra because he brings dead franchises back up. Well, he made that that stupid Rampage movie made an assload of money. <laughs> well, it, I mean that was clearly marketed towards the uh, the Chinese market. Um, yeah. But that said, I watched the movie. It's ridiculous. I still enjoy it. It was a fun movie. <laughs> and, it's because and like he has the, so much raw natural charisma that everything he's in, it's like I, I don't I don't know what his character's name is. I don't need to know what his character's name is. It's like, oh, the rock's in it? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's fighting it giant just, monsters. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he he, just, I'm good with that. Yeah. Wait, what 
his movie career is kind of interesting because he kind of had the right inclination at first that he should be like the modern day Arnold and Sylvester Stallone. But then he um, he kind of lost his way for a while because he signed that Disney contract. And I think that actually hurt his career. Yeah. But um, then he just kind of figured it out, I think, in the last like five or six years. And he just puts out blockbusters now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when they added him to the Fast and Furious movies, I think like the first movie he was in added like four hundred million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That uh, that's what kind of like set him off. And I don't know if you guys watch uh, Ballers on HBO or have seen that show. Um, I have not. He I think actually produces it too. Um, but he plays like a sports agent. Is I think going into like its fourth or fifth season. And this might actually be the final season, but. Um, I've seen a few episodes. It's actually pretty entertaining. Like he, again, he's just, he's someone who actually has a lot of natural charisma. So anything he's in, like it's at, at a base level, it's going to be somewhat entertaining. Even if the movie's like crap, it's like a dumb premise. It's still kind of fun because I think he does tap into that like 1980s Arnold vein where it's like, all right, this movie's ridiculous, but it's still kind of fun because like Arnold had a lot of charisma. We're waiting for Arnold to say cool stuff. Yeah, I think I think for me, the movie where I realized he was going to make it was the one he did with. I don't remember his real name. The guy that played Stifler in the American Pie movies. Uh, Sean William Scott. Yeah. Yes. When he did the movie with him, like where they the were rundown. Like in the rundown. Yeah, the rundown. That's oh, the rundown thought, is like, a really good movie that's kind of like slept on. Yeah, yeah, he did like a really he did a really good um job of that the only thing i remember about that now other than i liked it is they were like tied up in a vine and like a monkey jumped on them yeah and then they're like swinging around and um what's the what's the one guy's the other actor's name again sean william William scott Scott. it's just yelling he's humping you (laughs) but that was that was like a great movie and that's when i was like oh okay the rock like can be a real actor yeah, he doesn't have to. He doesn't take himself so seriously. He's he's willing to do stuff for the joke too. So, look, here's the thing: Shawn Michaels had some incredible matches, but the problem is that wrestling is not just work rate. Wrestling is also the charisma and the engagement and the selling tickets and merchandise to make money stuff. And man, The Rock, The Rock did it, you know. And and that's who I've got to go with. And I, well, I'm gonna give Sean some some. I'm gonna say some nice things about Sean and a couple of mean things about Sean. Okay. So Sean was obviously his own worst enemy. I think yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. the drug use really kind of hampered him a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he. I think some of his best work was when he came back. Yeah, I agree with that. But I also will say, and it's still. I think it. It would if I if I ranked my favorite moments in the WWF. It would still lurk in there, but him putting Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window mm-hmm. is like all time like great angle moments. Yeah. And um, I also think he doomed us with this like chasing the dream thing that every one does now that just like oh the the, the boyhood dream thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. which just I I hate now. <clears throat> I'm in a, a yeah. I've he did some good stuff. He trailblazed some a lot of stuff too. But just general overall things, I I still got to give it to Rock. Again, if we're talking about just in ring wrestling, 
I would say Shawn Michaels. If we're talking about like everything else, I would go with Rock. And I guess, in fairness overall, if you really want to talk of like the last like 20, 20 years, Rock is probably up there. Even though of the last like fifteen years, he wasn't even really involved in wrestling. At least he probably he probably made Lesnar. I'd say with that SummerSlam match. Mm. Rocket, yeah, Rock and Brock. Yeah. And um both the Austin mat big Austin matches are really good. Yeah. Um his stuff with Benoit was really good. Um he I would say he did a lot to put Rhino over. They never they never really did anything with Rhino, but like he would sell that gore like he got split in half. Mm-hmm. And oh oh we're we're forgetting like it was legit probably the best program in early two thousand and three with was his stuff with the hurricane. Yeah, I was getting ready to bring up the hur- his stuff with the hurricane proved so many things because one of one of my favorite rock stories is he's doing this with the hurricane and he keeps screwing up his lines because he's wanting to make the hurricane look good too and they're like no you're the rock you know you know you got to stooge him off and that sort of stuff so he kept screwing up his lines when they would pre tape it. And he kind of turns and he winks at Hurricane, so they have to do it live, and he does it the way he wants to do it to give Hurricane, you know, kind of a rub out of it. That right there tells me a lot about the guy because he didn't have to put the the Hurricane. He didn't have to put him over, and yet no, he, he still let, did. He let he let the Hurricane get his like digs and stuff in. Yeah, like. and he even acted. I love this. He even let the things the hurricane said to him, like it bothered him in subsequent promos. Because the hurricane was something like, while I, while the hurricane was sitting hiding in this thing, I saw that the rock had a small dingling, and for like two weeks, the rock's trying to reassure everybody that this isn't true. That is my favorite thing, though, is when he goes to like open his locker and the hurricane's just like <laughs> just sitting there. In there. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, so you know, I'm, I'm, um, I think he let Hurricane choke slam him too. He did. I think that's the only person Hurricane's ever choke slammed. Um, the only person who you wouldn't call a cruiserweight, I think. But we're we're in this, yeah. That that's that's why I would pick who I would pick. The I'm gonna go with the last one. You guys can probably guess what the last one is. So. Here we go. The last one. Probably the the at least at least where WWEF whatever is concerned. This is the big comparison. But Hogan or Austin? Hogan. I uh, I would overall say Hogan. That's a I mean that's a really compelling matchup because of their eras. They were the biggest stars. Although Hogan yeah. overall I think has uh, I mean people still know who Hulk Hogan is and that's you know like 30 years after his heyday yeah and and the problem you have with Austin is when you think about Austin's big run one it's really short relatively yeah yeah relatively short but two his big run came after Owen broke his neck so that whole time like Austin has just screwed that entire run, like with injuries. Yeah, and that's part of why, like the the style in WWF got so screwed up because they had to protect his injuries. Because, you know, really Austin changed his game a lot because his neck was just made of duct tape and graham crackers at that point. Yeah, 
And I mean, think about think about when he gets to like 2001. Like think about like just that armor he had on his legs because his knees were so messed up. Yeah, and yet he was still going out there and working like crazy. The, the biggest problem that I got out of it. If I'm going to compare the two, the biggest problem with Hogan was that he continued to be Hogan and that impeded other people. But the biggest problem with Austin is Austin had Austin had his own style, his post-injury style, like you said. Punch, 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 we go to the corner, punch, 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 stomp, 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 shoot you off, Thez press, punch, 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 kick stunner. Um, the problem is that someone got it in their mind that everybody in the main event needed to work like that. And it was it made the main event of that company so stagnant. The only person it worked for was Austin because he had that sheer animal charisma in doing it. I think it worked for Rock because it covered his limitations pretty well too. But, but Rock would do more than just that. You know, even yeah, it, even if you don't say, even if you say, you know, a lot of the stuff the Rock did wasn't technically great. He had other things. His his swinging yeah. DDT, his spine buster, his his sharpshooter that was never really cinched in very well but he had all of the you know he had all of the more than going on than just that i hated the rock sharpshooter well it was very sloppy and poor yeah now i think there's um there are there are some i think some hidden gems that people might not have seen for austin there is it's a SmackDown from I think Edmonton, like in late May of 2001, where he and Benoit just have this. I mean, it's a SmackDown main event, and they just have this amazing match that gets ruined because they do like a Montreal <coughs> screw job with it. Is that the one that had the ten Germans in it? Yes, it is. That match is amazing. It's staggering, isn't it? And, and then, the fact that Austin took ten Germans with yeah. his neck in the and then. Right around this time, I think it's I think it's a week earlier. Mm-hmm. It is the best tag team match in WWE history with Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit versus uh, Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin. In it is nuclear heat like for oh, this yeah. whole match. It it I, I always referred to that match as the Canadian Chris's versus the two man power trip. Um, yeah, and that that match that match is amazing. It's. It's really staggering how good it is. And I can't believe Triple H managed to claw himself into the ring with no quad and still do stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that was staggering, wasn't it? So, okay. Well, we've, I I, kind of went through and I marked some stuff off of my list because, yeah, frankly, I I thought we were. I'm going to throw one more on there for. it's going to be a three-way match for the final of the evening. I'm listening. And it's, it's current WWE stars, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, or AJ Styles. I quit. I actually would pick Daniel Bryan just because I'm pretty emotionally invested in Daniel Bryan. See, I would That's probably a tough take, one. I'd probably take – it's, it's a hard thing because long-form AJ Styles has succeeded everywhere. Mm-hmm. And has been great for so long. Joe was probably the best at his height in career. Well, Joe was probably the biggest potential star at the height of his career. And then Daniel Bryan probably like has been the consi- like also has the consistency, like the star power, but like the nostalgia factor. Mm-hmm. 
and that I think the the emotional connection, probably the charisma connection too. I can't. He's probably, I, I like, can't do this. I really can't. And he's I, probably I can't the only an bright spot of current WWE promo wise. No, that's not true at all. You he's hit. A, you hitch the, up. You hitch up your pants and do the muscle man dance right now. He does the best stuff that doesn't make TV that they put on YouTube, and it's like, why didn't you put that on SmackDown? Uh, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't even. Shit. Because, like, Joe's, like, ROH run, like, the, the company still exists because of his. Yeah. His time as champion. I would agree. And I like TNA did their best numbers on pay per view because of Joe and Angle. <sighs> Crap! I can't. And that's pick still one of those. That's that's like my current. That's my current WWE Trinity right now. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> and that's on. also my. That's also one of my favorite moments from TNA. Is like right before that. Um, Bound for Glory, where he and Angle have that big face-off, and Angle, like, headbutts him, and Angle's, like, celebrating, and this bloody Joe just, like, gets up behind him, and Kurt turns, and Joe just, like, kicks his head in. Yeah. Like, oh, that was good stuff. You have you have three guys there who are so very different, and yet are so good that I can't, I can't separate them. I don't think I could separate them with a stick of dynamite. I don't I don't know. And on on that disappointment, to borrow a Jeremy Clarkson, um, I think we're going to cap it there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. What do you think? Do you agree with our our? Um, do you agree with our assessments? Do you have different picks? Do you have some you want to throw at us? Please hit us on social medias. Let us know what you think. Um, this is Shad here with with Matt and Brad. You go pick your wrestlers, and we want to say thank you for joining us. We've been in three quarters, you're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time.